When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The Alliance Leagues begin this weekend across the country as the 2018 GA season really kicks into gear. Over the next 40 minutes or so on Paper Talk Extra, we will discuss the topical issues of the association. Hello, I'm Peter McNamara and I'm joined in studio by Eamon Murphy, Deputy Sports Editor of Dean Echo, as well as Mikey Sheehan, Sports Analyst with the Irish Examiner. We're here and we're going to begin to talk about Paul Duffy's comments on professionalism and managers' payments, as well as look at Cork their new management structures, Dublin and Galway, we'll have a look at Limerick's uh, progression and hurling. Kilkenny, do they mean business yesterday under Brian Cody? And Emma Fitzmaurice and this talk of three-year plans. So we're going to begin, though, with the topic of professionalism. Parag Duffy had his say on this in the annual report, Eamon, this week. And we will start with Mikey, who has a few strong opinions, as you, I would imagine. Um, well, you, you've got to look at it. And, and I, I'm only looking at it... Um, from let's say the cock hurlers perspective this year and you look at uh, the number of games that some of these cock hurlers are going to have to play throughout the year and, and you're looking at between the um, Fitzgibbon Cup which is starting this weekend has, is starting in the midst of after starting you're going to have the National League so if cock go well in that there's possibly six seven games in that you have the Munster League uh, championship basis uh, you got the Munster, uh, or sorry, the All Ireland campaign of it, which will be quarter final, semi final, final, and then it all stops. So, like, basically for nine months solid, these guys are professional. They're eating, they're eating, watching everything they eat. There is no, as as we call it, a normalized social life, and whatever you want to call normalized. Um, they're training three nights a week, if not four, and maybe one of their own. They're playing a match at the weekend, and in everything but name. They're professional, and in their approach, in their training, in the way they get prepare for games, they, they are professional, and, and that's that's after moving away from maybe ten years ago, where um, it, you you didn't have all that, but it's the the strong requirement for counties such as Cork and such as Kilkenny and to, to actually be at the top of the game and to be winning all Ireland's that these pressures and this intensity has been put on these players from a very young age, and and, and that's the worrying part. I have huge admiration for the, the Rebel Oak set up in Cork. I think they, they're winning all around them. They have an incredible structure after being put in place after years of hard work. And we're seeing some of it come true, as we saw in the Cork Minor Hurlers last year, uh, with their, unfortunately, not winning the All-Ireland, but getting to the All-Ireland final. And we're seeing some of those players actually being brought on and brought into the Cork set up this year. But, like, 
what impact is that going to have on them when they're 24, 25, 26, when they're after going through seven or eight years of this um, really intense professional approach without having all the bells and whistles that, let's say, professional soccer players have, where they have masseuses available, they have the right nutritionists alongside them every single day of the week, you know, and they don't but, have... But county boards would argue that the players at the higher level, certainly at the higher level, have all those things as well. But doesn't that then kind of um, push you more closer to a kind of a, a professional approach to this? And, and some of these... Uh, players will have started their will probably not have stopped all year maybe they got knocked out of the club championship and maybe took two weeks off but knew that they were going to be involved in Cork Intermediate or inter-county setups and started training in November December and their own or else were given gym programs so it, it, I was saying earlier it was nine months but it could actually be more like 11 months of, of complete professionalism from these guys who are also trying to cater for maybe 40 hour a week jobs or um, they're also working either sole traders or on their own um, and they don't have the safety net as I talking during the week about the, the Tyrone footballer last week who's um, an, out in his own as a, a locum pharmacist who wasn't able to uh, work for a number of weeks after the All-Ireland semi-final defeat last year against Dublin and while there were small protections in place for him it wasn't fully there for him you know and, and they're the kind of things that if we start to which we have to I believe look at um, we'll, we'll push the game even closer to professionalism Eamon Porrig Duffy spoke as well about the manager's payments and um, look we all know it is going on all over the country and has that an impact as well on the players thought process as regards you know are they thinking come here we're out here playing away putting in the hard yards and then as a fellow over us not even from our club coming in and getting paid hard, hard money here like do you think that has an impact on the players mindset at both club and inter-county level well I would say at club level particularly it can be frustrating I would imagine at inter-county level, you know, if you look at the success, it, it doesn't always work out, but some of the, you know, high-profile appointments over the years have had, like the, the likes of Mick O'Dwyer in Leinster, you know, a couple of counties that have been struggling previously. Obviously, David Fitz had a great run there with Wexford last year and things. So I, I, I don't think anyone has any great problem with that, but obviously if you're a club, you know, there's chopping and changing managers all the time. Um, I know in my own club, Ballancolic, they generally don't appoint outside managers and English was in a couple of years ago and, and wasn't promoted being paid or anything like that. And like, you know, he, he's a guy who I suppose follows... You know his love of football around. You know whether you, you like his style of play or not, um, and he had a good enough year with, with the club and got us to a county final. But um, my club just generally don't go down that road because I, I think people do find it very frustrating. But yet I can understand at the same time if you're in any of the clubs around Cork or anywhere else in the country and you're looking for some bit of success, whether that's winning a county or just trying to progress to the latter stage of the championship and to keep guys interested and probably to keep them at home and to stop them from, from emigrating. Sometimes you know by giving them a kind of a viable outlet for their talent. Um, I can see when you're not successful that it's very frustrating, you know. Because at least with the inter-county county guys, I know Mikey's making some good points about what they put in, but there, you know, there are a lot of perks, and there's there's just a glamour to it anyway. Yeah, yeah. So even if you feel you're out of pocket or you know you're under pressure trying to get your your the college work done, yeah, there's the honour of it, and there's just you know the recognition factor. You've got kids going around, but you know, like, not, it's not like Premier League with jerseys, but you know, wanting to get your autograph and all that type of thing. Well, I'm sure it's irritating sometimes. It's great too. It must give you a great buzz for the likes of Dara Fitz and yeah. Mark Coleman and these kind of newcomers or some of the Wexford hurlers. Yeah. Who would have struggled for a couple of seasons and now they're, you know, obviously flavour the month up there. But I think at the club level, I'd say it, it's particularly frustrating for lads, you know. I would say what's pushing a lot of clubs uh, into paying for an outside coach is that the interest level is like if you're a club player and you're after paying to you're 35 years old, and they automatically, if, you, if you're a servant at a, a club and we call it either intermediate level or senior level or from a, a small local parish. Um, and after doing that many years and you will inevitably ask to be involved in the club the year after the or involved in some way shape or form um, and inevitably you'll get one or two that will go into coaching but um, 
what happens when one or two of those players decide not to get involved or want to take a year or two out or let's say get involved mm. but don't have to respect the players so it pushes the clubs uh, who are every club that starts the championship has the aim of winning it that if they want to win it that maybe bringing in an outside influence to have a new voice basically in the dressing room is the way to achieve yeah. the success Is there another angle here though in that should there be more onus on the clubs all over the country to produce better coaches themselves from within to try and minimise this this financial burden on clubs. I suppose that the phrase that that is going around a lot lately, and Crow Park themselves have promoted it through their you know development conferences and things, is probably coaching the coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think anyone who's involved at any level in the club, it's only underage. I, I'm involved in and very much you know down the pecking order in the group I'm there with. But you know we all kind of like to upskill or you know whether we're bad junior B players like myself or some of the lads who played to a very high level and, and hurled underage for Cork and things. You're always looking to kind of improve yourself. So I, I do think people themselves have taken on, on that responsibility but I think the difficulty um, Mikey hinted at there you know, with getting guys involved is that a lot of fellas when they do retire will have kids and may be happier to get involved with their kids team not just to be a pushy parent but just because they feel like they're giving back and you know I suppose it's something dire- directly that they can give back to their, their own family or their own you know, yeah. friends of, the, of, of their kids and things so you do find that, that and the pressure is way less I mean, there's some guys, you know, rant and rave on a side like it's the all Ireland, but you know, majority of yeah. people do carry themselves pretty well at the kids' games and things, you know, and, and, and they are there for the right reasons to promote. Obviously, their club going well, the young fellas they coach could be their own young fellas, and just just to see the club going well under it. So I think that probably takes up a lot of coaches, you know, and, and there's so many people playing. I mean, you've grand, you've got your 25 lads at the, the mm. top level in the club, whether but, it's hurling or football. There's, there's an awful yeah. amount of them playing underage, way more because people drop out. Uh, what I would say about that, uh, and uh, I actually wouldn't mind the investment in an outside coach, one that has been trained, and um, a club putting, let's say, it's eight grand for the year. But if you can put four players or people, interested people from your club, under him, either as selectors or as exactly, bystanders, yeah. those four then develop into four coaches. They develop into, you know, people then go watch them, and it just develops from there. So your 8,000 euro investment in one year might actually be an 8,000 euro investment in a 10 year plan that's a good idea actually yeah. you know that you, you bring in the coach and let's say look we we won't go into the, the under table or the, the, the way that it's paid but there, there's definitely a way of structuring it that you should be allowed as a club to invest it in a one year project that it will actually be for the benefit of the club as a whole yeah, and, and to attract I suppose guys who are genuinely good coaches who are interested in passing on their knowledge as much as trophies you know of course you love doing yeah. a trophy yeah. whoever you are involved in any team but you know that's probably the, the hard thing because like, there's a lot of guys out there are bluffing their way through it like, yeah. there's no doubt about it so would you both advocate streamlining it in the sense we say Mr X comes into Club Y and he gets whatever X amount of uh, coin for the year but it's seen as him teaching others to try and progress. Is that something? Possibly, you mean? I suppose. The other thing that complicates it then is that so many clubs have schools coaches and things now. You know that is obviously being being supplemented to a degree, and only a small degree with the county board or Red Log or you know various sponsorship. But there isn't a lot of funds out there, so you can end up you're trying to pay out twice. You know, and the schools coach is absolutely vital. You know, I know my own way. You know, Johnny Dwyer, who's obviously the Cork Minor hurling coach as well for the last few years, and about the twenty ones has done an outstanding job. You know, just promoting GA across all the schools, but it's not even that he's doing an outstanding job. It's just you can't survive without it mm-hmm. because it's expected now. You know, yeah. And um, so that does put a financial burden on the club. And I suppose you know, my way, it's probably that's where the, the, the resources are going in across the, the club are, are, are coaching maybe. So, so, 
are we in a position though no matter what happens would you both say agree or disagree that no matter what way this goes that what, what track this goes down that it will always be an issue for the GA or is there something they'll ever be able to stamp out I think it'll always be an issue because mm-hmm. you, you, you've only got to, you know Mike knows a lot more about it than I do having you know, played senior football and everything in Cork but there are only so many guys you know who are you know, viable within any given club as good coaches and the respect thing is probably a big thing you know like a junior B fella like me walks into a dressing room you know you're not going to get a whole lot of respect no matter who you think you are or how good your actual drills are there still has to be a certain amount I mean there's a fine line you have your yeah. Jose Marinos who didn't you play at the elite level and of course they're very good man managers or coaches but they probably have to be part of a setup with another couple of strong characters or guys who've been there and done it and, and that's that's the difficulty and that's why your pool is so small in any club and, and you even you know? take just the Jose Mourinho he, he worked under Bobby Robson in Barcelona yeah. for example like you know that's how mm-hmm. he, he worked his way up from there and he went down to Porto let's say back home um, so like there is it, it'll never be eradicated if you ask me look even if you take it from a coach's perspective who is a middle of the road coach and he knows he's going to get 75 euro a night if he goes training at a club like that 75 is into the pocket if you try and structure this in a proper way he only gets half of that, let's say, if it's the taxman gets into it. Like so, that you have that, and then is he going to be bothered then at that stage? So th- there is a, it, it's a horrible way of looking at it, but that's the reality, actually. Yeah. Just well, the difference is probably if you look at the American model, whereby there, you know, there's a career of being a coach, even if you're a guy who never was particularly fantastic as a player that's because I suppose the country is so big yeah. you know high schools are funded you know even the, the little league versions are certainly colleges and all that They're are funded huge, yeah. Yeah, so like there is a structure but there's a funding process there for it but then again that's that coach's career that assistant coach's career so whereas here there's, that's not in place and it comes into I suppose professional players it's the same same reason that it will you know, be very difficult to see a professional model actually mm-hmm. as a proper inter-county kind of structure unless you've 10 super teams or something because it just isn't the playing population just the population full stop and that's probably where the difficulty is and that's where you have your underhand payments and, and you're right like on the professional thing like for the like sorry and I, I was actually listing out the points why it's very close to it I, I'm not too sure I'm in favour of a professional yeah. sorry I, I meant to say that is that I wouldn't be in favour of a professional because uh, the, the amateur ethos and we'll keep going back to the amateur ethos of this game is what makes this game great and what makes everybody playing it love it which which I would agree with too but I have written about a year ago and I really stand by what I said it then and I, th- I think it's happening now I think within 10 years the game would be semi-professional it kind of is though isn't it in a way in like, to a degree that you've true, got your grants and you've got yeah. your car sponsorships now I know that's more for the you know, Kilkenny's in the Carlos of this world or, you know, the Tipperary's or Dublin's, but... Um, but are you saying semi-professional in terms of, like, people still go and do their 9 to 5 Monday to Friday? Are you talking, you're down at Parky Cueve every morning at 8 o'clock and you have four hours? I think, not necessarily an essay, but I think that the players, irrespective of what will happen during their day, will get some sort of actual streamlined... F- yes. And I suppose if you look, I mean, you know... Lee Chin is probably the obvious example because he's such a magnificent athlete you know you'd imagine he could play in any sport you know basketball baseball American yeah. football anything he takes on to golf he'd probably play because he's just your prototype athlete but I mean you know he's you know on the record saying you know he's obviously kind of concentrating on Jay at the moment obviously living in the family home yeah. and things. He's, not, he's not driving around in a Lamborghini like Ronaldo or anything but you know he's concentrating on that obviously Jamie Barron was looking at you know retraining Colin Catlin this morning yeah. was out this morning saying that he he was an engineer doing 9 to 5 work had to drive home didn't have to drive for training decided to give all that up opened up a gym in 
uh, at home yes. and um, there's now a PD coach which works out better for his intercounty yeah, career and, and you'll probably have a lot of guys like that but you I mean we have Philly, a, Ma- Philly McMahon's kind of another yeah, reason he yeah. has businesses and the life coach and, yeah. and, and there's the perennial students or whatever you know I mean yeah. you know we look at you know, you know we mentioned Coleman and, and Fitzgibbon you know Shankington they will probably spend a bit of time in college and it won't be just for upskilling looking down the road it'll be you know because it will suit playing yeah. and that's absolutely fine no one begrudging that so whether it'll go beyond that to the, you know anything professional I suppose you see then your, your inter-county game is gone because it has to be yeah. at 10 hurling teams and maybe 16 in football or something along those lines and that's probably the end of it and, and the impact nobody wants to see that and, yeah, and the impact on the club scene then is, yeah. is another story altogether which yeah. we wouldn't even get into which so kind I don't of think anyone wants that really no Okay, so we've discussed in, in detail Porig Duffy's comments in his annual review. We're going to focus now on events on the pitch and obviously the National Leagues kick off this weekend. It's a massive weekend, particularly in Cork. There's a massive doubleheader on Saturday with the footballers playing Tipperary in Division 2 and the hurlers playing Kilkenny at 7 o'clock in Division 1A of the Hurling League. Um, Eamon, two new managers in place on side. There's a, and there's a new stadium there's a lot of positives there's a real fresh there's a vibrancy about Cork G again isn't there? Absolutely I mean you know you'd have to have been thrilled with last year I mean it was one of the great years of Cork GA. It's certainly in the non-all-earning winning years it was, mm-hmm. it was definitely one of, one of the great years I was actually I, I met um, Moss Finn the other day to do a piece for next week's Echo about rugby obviously he owns Finn Corner, Finn's Corner Shop and he was just saying that the uplift they got last year just from jersey sales and polo shirts and really? things like that from the Cork hurlers kind of getting oh. back and the buzz was so good yeah. people had been so down these the, the days before games and the Saturdays the rising tide which you know which just shows I suppose how popular you know hurling is or how it kind of can capture the imagination um, so it, it, it was terrific I suppose the downside is that the pressure's on this year um, I think John Wyler in all his interviews over the last week or two has, has documented that very well himself you know he knows having been a lot of the 21s as well how they were kind of I suppose that unknown quantity last year across all levels and mm-hmm. even it didn't kick in probably till that 21 game in Waterford which was probably yeah. Cork's worst performance all yeah, year yeah. maybe across all the teams having been yeah. all the games Dalton, Dalton's penalty yeah they just about won but yeah. it was probably their worst performance and it was the one night where you were going and going yeah geez, there's no way they lose the least but it was with the team they moved mm. so, so it goes to show what, what pressure can do so you know, under a bit of pressure but I mean I think it's an advantage I think it's our night in that it's Kilkenny everyone's always up to beat Kilkenny Cork's record isn't great against them in the league they, you know, they've, they've lost far too many games mm-hmm. from my liking in the last 10 years when they should have won them um, so I think they'll be quite up for it and I think if they can get a win I think Moyler's in, in then and the kind of the Moyler era is here and I suppose yeah. you know, it should be a continuation of last year a couple of new younger faces um, and for the football I think everyone's just just desperate to see them show some glimmer of I suppose form and consistency you know, the Mayo game is grand it was a one-off it was all very exciting and all going home kind of football with the bats to the wall and, and as massive underdogs just a bit of consistency yeah. and a bit of decent football and kind of a bit of a shape to the team I wouldn't necessarily blame Pader Healy for it like the same way I wouldn't blame Brian Cooper totally I mean they were coming in the post Coonan era and trying to refresh the team and get a new maybe get a new shape going to the, the team which had been very kind of physical and, and had a lot of big guys down through the spine of it it's changing it over we just all want to see a bit of zip to the football something we can kind of get behind mm. football will always be behind hurling and Cork there's nothing that anyone can do about that but despite my play, efforts despite <laughs> the new moment but if they just play with a bit of you know somewhat exciting football and just win a few games get a few wins everyone mm. wants to back a winning horse no one wants to follow a losing team it doesn't matter what sport and we can say in Cork that we're the greatest supporters in the world of X, Y and Z but in reality if the teams are losing 
we're as bad as anyone else we don't yeah. want to know so and that's a good point you know if Cork footballers do kind of start winning I hope they do obviously we don't know exactly what the team is now there was some good young kind of players there on display in the in the, uh, the pre-season so hopefully they'll just be a fresh vibe and then you know when the Nemo lads do come back please God they might have won all learners you know Luke Connolly and Paul Kerrigan Stephen Cronin they'll kind of slot into a team that'll be going well and mm-hmm. you know Cork should have a decent enough team that they can certainly compete with Kerry and compete with anyone outside the top four or five teams you know and even just give them a game as they do with Mayo the funny thing is Mikey if you were leaving the Gaelic grounds after losing to Mayo okay you were upbeat but and it was a good performance in the end but a lot of people made a point at the time that Mayo had taken players off with a view to playing on next week. So that could have had a small impact on the way the game finished. Now that's not to take away from how it got played. But my point is, if you're coming out of that stadium and then you're coming out of Crow Park after the Waterford game, the hurling, and someone said to you, which of the two teams can you do, see kicking off the league in, in better fashion in 2018? Obviously everyone would have said hurling. But then... It's been a subdued start to the season in terms of hurling because it was no yeah. pre-season tournament. And it looks like there's a bit of a feel-good factor about the football. I do personally believe that this management will do a good job, albeit at a lower, lower level for now. So it's kind of unusual going down to Parky on Saturday, looking at the footballers as a means of kicking things off in positive fashion, but being unaware of what to expect from the hurlers. Yeah, no, it's... Expectations is a massive thing in Cork and it's a massive pressure for the Cork teams over the last few years and even up to last year and the last few years in terms of the Cork footballers the expectation levels that were placed on their heads was still too great for, for what we were looking mm-hmm. to do and we never give the, the setups that came in and maybe it was through the setups fault that they should have implemented let's say a three and we're going to come to a name and fits later but I, don't think, I think the Cork footballers should be in the start of a three year cycle now and I, I really think, and I, I think what constitutes a very successful year for them this year will be promotion from Division 2, which they're well capable of given the mm-hmm. teams that are in there, blooding a number of young players and new players and players that may not have got a chance to draw regimes, competing with Kerry and Munster and making the Super 8s and being competitive. I think if you hit those three points, it sets you up for next year. And you must look at it like that. I think if we're starting to look for immediate success with this group of footballers who are... like You look at some of the players and the, the, the old heads that we're going to be losing this year. You're losing Shields and O'Connor. Um, Hurley's not back yet. Um, Peter Keller could be out injured for a while. Tom Clancy. He actually yeah. apparently is... Um, don't I... I'm not 100% sure on this, but I have heard that he's stepping away from the panel this year. Okay, so like you're losing some guys with experience there, and as I said, like the likes of Shields and O'Halloran, who've been there with an awful long time. Um, it's hard to replace them, but we shouldn't expect to replace them in year one. Like it, it's going to be a two, a two or three year process. And like what has Eamon said there that in the the preseason tournament we brought through a number of young players, giving guys experience against inter county teams. Um, I know it was against Waterford, but they had a tough game against Clare. Some of them didn't play great. We still got the win out of it, and that that's positive alone. Division two gives them an opportunity to um, blood some more of those younger players mm. with some of the the more experienced players. Start knitting a team together and be ready for the Munster Championship. So from the Cork footballers' perspective, I think we have to just temper expectations and be realistic about what we actually want, would like to achieve, and what our, our, our goals are for this year. With the hurlers, I, I, I think I have a huge amount of time for John Mailer listening to him speak over the last few years, seeing what he's done with the under twenty one setup, and seeing the way he's handled himself already in the um, mm. in the the new era um, this year so far in the, the, the three games. Now there are three defeats, uh, granted, but in the the last game against Kerry, which was inevitably a dead rubber, he's after given. 18 to 20 guys experience putting on the Cork jersey and going down representing Cork these players might get an opportunity this year or next year but they've now got a, a goal to work for 
and maybe it's a two or three year goal. I know our own club man Stevie Condon was involved against Kerry, and like what an incentive it is for him to have got a taste of that. See what he has to do to work for it. Well, it's under twenty ones this year, and maybe in two or three years' time, he can see what the likes of Coleman, if it's given or after doing. Um, so that alone is brilliant. I think the the national league is going to be tricky for him, um, and I, I again expectations. Um, I think because if Kingston had stayed for one more year, I think you'd have been hoping Cork would win in All Ireland this year. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that Kingston hasn't, I think you can't put that, take that pressure and put that on Mailer for year one. I think it's very unfair and I think again a successful campaign is again going to be going well in the league avoid the relegation rather than maybe get to a, a National League final but certainly be competitive in all the games again have a good crack off Munster and then reassess when you get to the next stage whether it's an All-Ireland quarter-final or an All-Ireland semi-final and go from there I mean, Brian Cody has culled the likes of John Joe Farrell from his panel which given what John Joe Farrell achieved in the pitch last summer is a it's a real kind of statement that Cody intends to assert his authority in that group even more so than ever now. Especially in the light of the likes of Jackie Terrell's book where a couple of things came out and stuff like that. I'd say he wants to, let's just say, keep people in line a bit again. Yeah, well I, I suppose, look, you know, the last few years of, of Cody's era are probably his greatest achievement. Obviously last season wasn't a good season, but you know, the, the few years before that winning a couple of more All-Irelands and getting to a final against Tip right, they were well beaten. But like, you know, by right, they should have been done and dusted against Waterford. Both days, definitely the first day, and they, they came through it. So I, that's probably his great you know, because the talent pool is, isn't as strong. You look at it, they're heading down on Saturday night, and by all accounts, I mean Richie Hogan is certainly rehabbing and trying to just basically get full tilt for the summer. He had an awful year last year, um, and and you know TJ Reid looks like you know he's carrying a bit of knock and stuff. So they're they're quite experimental now. At the same time, anyone I've spoken to have said that Kilkenny have trained the hardest coming into this league. I mean, there's a lot of teams training hard, but Kilkenny have trained the hardest, I suppose. Probably not so much to, to win the league, though I do think they you know would be dark horses to win it because it would probably be a very good achievement for them to win it. Mm. Um, but because I'd say they just want they don't want to get steamrolled by anybody, and I'm not being cocky, they can go down and beat Cork and Saturday. Of course, they could. Both teams will be quite raw, but I would say they want to hold their own against anybody, go toe to toe, be very physical, very strong, very dogged. Um, and there's obviously a few natural hurlers there. Look, we're not really aware of them down this neck of the woods yeah. simply because they haven't been winning all Ireland's at minor in 21 you know mm-hmm. they haven't been starring their players haven't been shining you know I mean, they lost yeah. the player to Aussie rules there Kieran Joyce's brother Darry who never thought that Michael Kenny um, who was a kind of raising star so I've no doubt there's a couple of good players there but I, I don't know how they'll go this year I really don't certainly they've trained as hard as any team could coming into the league so they may well come down on Saturday night and get a win be terrible I think from a car perspective just for the confidence if they do but like that I mean both teams are, will, will be eager to win so it'll be pure to Kenny to come down on the open night of Park and Grieve and go and win by two or three points when they shouldn't you know yeah I, I honestly wouldn't I wouldn't see that as a surprise by any means because I've I haven't seen them obviously yet this year but I've read a lot of reports and read a lot of forums of reading between the lines they're fairly bullying to get going early on, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah and, and like, they're, they're probably ahead of Cork in their preparation mm-hmm. at the moment. And you so. take Cody, like the Cody factor is massive. And I, I, I compare him to, let's say, if you're going looking, it would be a Sir Alex Ferguson or a, a Bill Belichick, where they had ups and ups and downs in terms of their their squads. They had good squads and bad squads, mm-hmm. but they always got the most out of them. And you know the success Brian Cody had with some of the lesser likes yeah. of their squad is just a phenomenal achievement. Um, and you know even as you said, Eamon, the two games against Watford last year. How the Kilkenny team kept going. They were dead twice mm. or three times in both games. Kept going. Like, you know, it's a phenomenal... And if you have that and can apply it a little bit... Because last year I just thought their touch and was just slightly off in those Waterford games. But the, the hunger and the work rate that they have, and that, that won't change. You know, so if you get Kilkenny's skill levels back up to where they were maybe two or three years ago, they, yeah. they're, they're going to be a force. Like That's an interesting one about the touch. Because if you remember the night they played in Wexford... 
they could have been four, five, six, six, seven, or maybe eight points out of Wexford at the start of the opening quarter of that game. Mm. Their touch was bad, bad and they had a couple of chances yeah. that when you would normally think would people put their eyes open. Yeah, uh, touch touch and hurling, the world's worst hurler, but like you know, touch, touch and hurling is confidence. Yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. ball is coming at you, you know, extremely fast at intercounty, you know, even a decent club level, it's coming at you pretty lightly. Yeah. It's as much as I mean you've done it a, you know, oh, hundreds of times before you've controlled that ball, but it's just believing that right, bang, I'm gonna get this touch yeah, yeah. into my hand, I'm gone. You know, whereas when you're doubting yourself, that's probably when it just gets that bit heavier, the ball drops, you spill you know, of all the sports I think the confidence. So you imagine level, that confidence level coming back into the Kilkenny yeah. setup. They'd be dangerous, yeah, like, absolutely, absolutely. And, and like just like Cork last year, where I suppose the expectations levels were so low in Cork last year, and the confidence started building with the wins and the wins. And um, after we lost to Limerick in the, the league, it was knuckle down. And the Munster Championship, it was just the confidence grew and confidence mm. grew. And you see where we almost ended up, you know. So it, it, there's a number of teams that could go on and lift uh, Lee McCarthy at the end of the year, and I wouldn't be writing Kilkenny out of it by any, by any means. No, I, I don't. That's one thing I will never ever do, on you? Mm. Uh, the other team coming to Cork on Saturday, Tipperary Footballers and Liam Kearns. It's going to be a big year for Kearns. They have a very strong squad by all accounts. They're in a decent nick in terms of injuries and whatnot. They, they were actually coming down to Cork for the Munster semi-final last year, lads. And I thought they were going to catch Cork, and the way the first half went, I thought Cork were never going to score. Never mind, you know. So, what do you make of where Tipperary are at, Murphy? You know, they have an opportunity to kick on again. They've had promotions, they want to consolidate this year. They've, they're, they've an opening tricky two fixtures being away to Cork and a home to Roscommon yeah I suppose that'll be it like it'll be what points they pick up in the first couple of games and set the tone I mean last year Cork picked up one point from their you know same type scenario in Division 2 where they had two tough games against Galway and Kildare and certainly should have beaten Galway yeah. right? fair, fair enough they not Kildare were all guns basing and it was an away game but you know you'd wanted one win you'd wanted your two league points out of the two games mm. so I mean Tip will certainly you know if they go and lose the two games it will put them on the back foot a little bit now at this by the same token I doubt they're targeting divi- winning Division 2 from just surviving in it you know um, they've done exceptionally well and it's not even in a condescending way because just because the, and looking down at Tipperary football I think it's just because they've had so many injuries and they've lost so many players yeah. I think everyone knew they were coming going back to probably you know even the kind of the late noughties there at minor they caught Cork a few times yeah. they thought it was catching Cork but it was just because they had good teams coming up and they worked very hard and they they targeted their best players and all that and it come to fruition you still have the likes of Conor Reardon down in Aussie Rules massive loss for them yeah. and, you know, they, and Philip Austin's out injured for the first yeah, couple of games Stephen O'Brien was missing last year you know, yeah. when playing hurling for a bit you know, you know those type of losses when you're, when you're a smaller club do you look somewhere like Cork has probably hasn't gone over the fact that Brian Hurley's been played with injuries and they lost Kieran Sheehan and, and mm-hmm. a few other things you know and the few guys who defected to hurling you know even Aidan Walsh coming back from hurling and not being quite the same yeah, yeah. those type of damaged Cork let alone a place like Tip where there are far fewer clubs you know they're bringing far few players through underage so I think Tip has done very well I, you know I'd still be hoping Cork footballers whatever the hurlers would win on Saturday night but I think they really need to win I think the hurling you can kind of as Mike said you can kind of just get away with just just about avoiding relegation but like if the footballers can't kind of win their home games and push for promotion I just don't think they're, I think they're going to find it a hard year even if they're going through transition Mikey Michael Ryan with the hurlers in Tipperary is known to his third year um, again the vibes are coming from that camp that they feel that last year they can't understand how we didn't win the All-Ireland that they again that Galway game they just left it behind them yeah. I was at the game against Clare and Parky Keeve I thought they were Fending off Clare very easily on the day, they could have won by more. I know Clare a few ways again, but I think Tip are probably, in my humble opinion, the most likely winners of the hurling this year. Yeah, no, I have Tip as favourites for the All Ireland this year, and uh, just because I thought they were, they played so poorly up for, from their high standards against Galway last year and only barely lost. 
Mm. Just Galway just got over the line. Now I know they're without Cannon in the league as far as I'm aware, definitely yeah. for the first few games. But they're after bringing a few of the defenders back. Their full back line was probably what caused the problems last year. Kyle yeah. Barrett's return is going to be a big one. Return is huge. It's absolutely huge. What that one player could make a massive difference. I'd be very interested to see how they go this year. Again, it's Michael Ryan's third year, I don't know, will he get another year after this to give it if they don't win mm-hmm. in All Ireland? Um and I think there's a huge amount of respect down there for him, the players like playing for him. And they like the setup there, and I, I I can actually see Tipperary being being the toughest um, opponent that Cork will have to face in both the league and championship um, until it gets hopefully to an All Ireland final. But it's certainly um, Tipper going to be the I, I would have him as favourites as well for the All Ireland. Yes, yeah. Murphy, yeah I, th- I, th- I think um, with Tip last year, I think they actually because of what happened to him in two thousand and ten, and they, they probably said to themselves, I don't think they handled winning the All Ireland very well because I think they were too uptight I don't think they actually embraced it and, and, and just relished the fact that you know having lost so many big games Kilkenny they finally yeah. actually hammered out the gate you know mm-hmm. uh, and played such great hurling I think they were you know the big thing for me was and listen you know it doesn't matter I'm no mad fan of Ryan Tubbers or anything like that but like listen if you get invited on the late show after winning the All-Ireland why wouldn't you do it absolutely you know, like sure that's where you want to be you're at yeah, the yeah. end of the season you know it's off season you can have a few points you can go up and you know scope to you know, the top of <laughs> yeah. so, you know and like they've turned it down and oh we're in we're in war mode and we're kind yeah, of facing yeah. into the next season like that was only in like you know October November of, yeah. of 2016 when they won the All-Ireland I just I think that set the wrong note for them all the way through and I think they were too uptight the whole way and then there was a little bit of cockiness I mean look you know they kind of lost the Cork in the league so that's year there's only the league whereas you know we definitely beat them in championship and then got caught with the exact same game plan the Cork beat them in the league of just kind of a bit of free-flowing open hurling but look they're terrific talent there they're so physically strong and they're so skillful they are the closest probably to, to Kilkenny and not dismissing Galway who probably did the same again they just have that mix of power and fantastic hurling and would tip move well like that Clare game in patches even though they're patches, right yeah. into it because they're great to watch you know it was like that goal last goal. year you know against Cork what, what, a, what a goal Cadillac's yeah. patches yeah. vision and all that so like, as much as it sickens me as a Cork man to give them too, too much credit they do play when they play with flair they're great to watch yeah. and they mix the you know stick passing they don't do too much hand passing they can go direct they can put points over up the field from Parik Mara wing back or they can you know just lamping it on Callanan or they can work these lovely angled runs and you know John McGrath is just a fantastic talent as well he's so skilled and, and they would have learned an awful lot from last year's campaign you know that they will be trying to get right for this campaign so I'll yeah so it won't probably be winning the league you know it'll probably be they'll probably take a few losses or whatever that but they'll yeah. probably just they'll probably just be more relaxed I think going into the championship and I'd say that round robin format will suit them because all they need to do is they probably only need a couple of players they might hit the nil. The full back line was mm-hmm. very vulnerable last year, and they were, you know, even against Cork, they were fouling when they weren't giving up goal chances and things. Um, so I think to get that right, they'd definitely be, be a team to beat. And you'd have to put the Galways and Tips and you know, well ahead of Cork at the moment, no matter how well Cork went last Absolutely. year. Absolutely, we're you know, we're trying to catch up with those guys. Like, so st- sticking with the team of the kind of the main teams and potential challengers late in the year, Kerry obviously and Emma Fitzmaurice. There was a piece on Cormac and had an examiner the other day, lads, and I think I must have. It must have been about 20 times where plan was used and in quotes from Amy Fitzmaurice it was a three-year plan reference and Owen made a point in the piece that it came initially from him. This wasn't uh, something they asked him about initially. So they're obviously, they're looking at the Kearns Football Development Centre or the general GA Development Centre. They do play hurling and Kerry, obviously. And um, it's a massive, massive year for Kerry, in my opinion. I know that they're saying looking at a three-year plan. Maybe they're saying that because they still know that they can't beat Dublin reality when it comes down to it. They will argue they can. Obviously, they didn't league final last year. But is that what that is? Is that why they're looking beyond this year? Well, 
like the, the, the Kerry thing they, they just played so poorly against Mayo that second day above in Croke Park uh, and that hurt and I think uh, I, I wouldn't li- I don't like putting this the blame on the management because it's the 15 or the 20 players that are out there but there were some very funny decisions made that day above against Mayo uh, and I know which a lot of Kerry people have said actually yes yeah fair. and I, I think Eamon Fitzmaurice will be looking at himself for that and I think you know he wouldn't have wanted to walk out of that Kerry job without giving it one more go to try and fix the problems that um, that plagued them last year look Kerry have some of the most talented footballers still in this game you, Paul Ganey like, is one of the, mm. the best inside forwards you're going to get if James O'Donoghue fires as well Kieran Donaghy you know there's a, fo- a, f- a full forward line there that's as, as good as anything we've seen over the last 15-20 years um, and to be fair to Fitzmaurice he's got a whole lot more decisions right than he's got wrong yeah, and I, I don't definitely think, that wasn't one of his best days uh, absolutely I don't think you're going to see him um, win the league this year I, I think they, they put a huge amount of effort into winning it last year and I think to get over that bogey of winning beating Dublin up in Crow Park was just a, a tick off the list they would have probably been hoping to meet him again at the end of the year obviously they were beaten by Mayo and if they were if they were meeting I thought I would have said you'd have seen a different Kerry that day against Dublin if it was Kerry Dublin in the final. Mm. But that that didn't happen. I think the league for them, they're going to be they're missing an awful lot of players. I don't know if you've seen their injuries. Yeah, and incredible their, list. It's, it's 17, 18, 19 players, and, and and some of the top players you're talking. Moran is missing. Donica Walsh, Danhe, Morley, Buckley. You know the list goes on. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know will the, the the full emphasis be on the league, but I think come championship, you know. They'll be all guns blazing, and look. I think if uh, go back to Cork, if Cork have a chance of catching them, it's going to be in the Munster campaign. I think once Kerry get the into the quarter final of All Ireland, I think it'll be just hell bent on beating the Dubs above and Croker this year. Well, obviously with the Super Eights, you know that kind of draws a real spanner in the works as as the how yeah, and, the and, development of the season goes. Obviously, and, and one thing, and I think we touched on it previously in one of the podcasts, was the their use of David Clifford and the expectation levels mm. on David Clifford, like. There is no way that that man, he's 19 years old, can come in and... Not yet 19, there. actually. Not yet 19, yeah. Which is scary yeah, when you're thinking... Even saying that, like, yeah. there's no... Like, the expectations that he's going to come in and he's going to be the leading light, the star of the show going forward for the next... Five, that, that pressure cannot be put on the, man, on the man this early. It absolutely cannot. I hope he gets a few runs out in the league. Mm. I, I don't see him being a championship starter. Um, I think that Kerry would be very foolish to be putting all the race into his basket. And I think people have to temper their expectations with someone that talented but that young. Yeah, and I think in football particularly, you know, I mean, I mean, you, you know, Mike, from playing senior football in Cork, you know, and some people say that's probably not as physical as, as the other championships up north and, 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 and Kerry and stuff are. But like, you know, you can get physically hit pretty hard in a football oh. match on and off the ball. You know, in a way, in hurling that grand, I know it's a very physical fast game. It's not. It's not the same thing. You know, I mean, once you're in possession in football, you know, you're physically getting hit. So, like someone like David Clifford, as strong and imposing as he is, is only turning nineteen this yeah. year. You know, and he does play against him with years of defensive yeah. from yeah. So, like, you know, he'd be great to watch, but it won't be anything like the, like the minor stuff. No, where it's, you know, one on one. Like, you know, it's, there's nothing like that going to happen. So, I, I hope they do kind of, you know. I suppose using sparingly, not just for Cork's point of view, but I think just for everyone because he's, yeah. you know, he's potentially going to be a great player. Listen, even as a Cork man, wherever you're from, you mentioned Paul Ganey. I always love watching yeah. Paul Ganey play. I did when he was at UCC and he won a, a senior championship here in Cork, yeah. you know, and, and he, maybe he didn't play his best, but carried 121 at that period, whatever, but, and he's kicked on since. So those type of guys, you know, James O'Donnell was the same. You know, he's got that cockiness, you'd love to hate him, but he's still brilliant when he was at his best. Don't know if he'll ever get back to that again. So we'd love to see David Clifford going on to be a big star, you know, and, and we'd be, you know, fooling him and giving him dogs abuse from the, the terrace as he's beaten Cork. 
Park or whatever, <laughs> which is which is fine. That that goes with it. But I, I'd, I'd hate to see him mishandled. But I'd be fairly confident that Kerry will will do it right. Yeah, now. I think Evan Fitzmaurice is shrewd like that. Would, how they'll go, I don't know. I'd say again, they'll be happy to be mid table in in, in league, the league. Yeah. I'd imagine they wouldn't be too stressed if they got beaten by Tipper Cork or in the championship, but they'll want to be coming in with their proper team, their good 2022 players. They'll rotate around in that Super 8s format, and definitely, three year plan or not, they'll be looking at winning the All Ireland. But they may not be looking at winning anything other than that. Let, let's have a quick look at the All Ireland, defending All Ireland champions, because you know there's no point going into great detail with Galway and Dublin, because it, it, it is always very difficult for teams to come back from an All Ireland and take the league very seriously. Like, I know that Galway would obviously look to get promoted out of Division 1A. But how do, how do they approach these these competitions now? You know, certainly in, in, in Dublin's case, given the fact that they got a month off before the championship and stuff like that last year, will will Jim Gavin adopt something similar? To Dublin just have a depth that no one else has or ever had probably in the history of even the Kilkenny team of ten years ago. You know, or you know, moving into the early nineties, you know, there's just a depth there that was never there before because of the population base. And obviously, you take a whole podcast and probably need to have you and McKenna and Colin Parkinson and all the lads here. You know, <laughs> considered the anti-Dublin kind of views and things. But you know where they're coming from. Like, it is a huge population base. You know, probably. You do, the worst thing in the world unless you were the talent living of a Bernard Brogan or whatever you'd hate to be a young fella coming up in Dublin because their chances of actually getting the game are very slim which I think is the big the big problem with Dublin going forward is going to be keeping guys involved in the sport and giving yeah. them the intercounty over it but yeah they just have a massive base so I'm not sure what players they'll rest or what not or what approach they'll take but I mean again like Kerry they'll be certainly just they'll want to win Leinster but it's, you know they probably want to keep their rivals down that way but I think they'll be just looking at the all so I think you know a mid-table finish is probably overdue for Dublin anyway. You know, yeah. they've, 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 and they've, they've had a lot of games in the last four or five mm-hmm. years. Testament how good they are have been that they've won by a point or two, or they've you know they've turned defenses, defeats into wins up in Croke Park. And all that. They're probably a few of those going to go against them. This year. Well, they've, they've got such, a, and again it goes down to Jim Gavin. The mentality that they have. I remember watching them last year in above in Monaghan, and Monaghan went up. I think maybe eight points with twenty-five minutes to go, yeah. and, uh, and Dublin came back and won it by six. It just seemed that they got just so annoyed or so pissed off with yeah, you know they just went for it they just know. went for it and they just opened up and like they have their, their second 15 is probably just as good as a lot of other uh, the majority of other say their third 15 yeah. isn't yeah, far off without yeah. a and, and, um, I think they're like I, I have so much respect for Dublin I think so much respect for the way that they play and I know it's not as pretty as some of the, the maybe the Kerry's uh, of this world and Mayo's but um, they have a structure they have a process they have a system and it works and, and what winning of all Ireland and what about Galway lads where are they at it <laughs> It was a monumental year for Galway Hurling in 2017. They'll attempt to uh, emulate that, obviously. But getting out of Division 1B would obviously be their priority. I have a feeling that Limerick are going to do it this time in Division 1B. I, I think it, it, it's obviously being um, Galway and Limerick in the, the 1B to get up to, to 1A. Um, you, you would rule Dublin out of coming out of that? I look, again, it's too early for them. Like it's the Pat Gilroy. Pat Gilroy's first year in it. Uh, first year giving it a crack, which is great to see, actually, and uh, the Anthony Cunningham and um, joining him in it. Mm. But um, I think Galway, Galway have that strength as well, you know, and... I would hope you you know there's always this talk that uh, the likes of Joe Canning is kind of playing with shackles on since he won the, until he won in Ireland kind of the weight of that on top of him. I'd love I can't wait to watch him this year. I can't wait to see what Joe Canning and how he's going to play without that weight of being the best hurler ever, never to win in All Ireland kind of on top of his shoulders, which was there for a number of years. Um, I can't wait to see what he's going to be like, and it, it could work in such a way that like you know you said Tipperary bore the weight of expectations. I don't think Galway did. I think Galway went out and celebrated and they enjoyed it. They embraced it. They embraced it hundred percent. And um, you know if they go out there, the expectation levels aren't going to be as high because they have their All Ireland level. 
are all around the medal. And uh, let's just see how they go and kind of maybe a, a more freer and more relaxed uh, approach to it. And Waterford, Murph under Derek McGrath, the vibes are that they're going to take the league a bit more seriously this yeah, year. Yeah, they're, they're under pressure, right? Look, there's no doubt about it. You know, you'd say probably unfair given the lengthy gap since they last won an All-Ireland and they've rarely even been in an All-Ireland final since. But look, they were in it last year. You know, they were a bit hit and miss in the early stages. Uh, they were obviously completely desperate in that game against Cork, you know, the scorching hot day and they really just melted into the ground that day. Um, so, you know, no, I, I think the whole thing there, I think I don't think they expected to play Cork probably was their biggest thing to true. And I think they had probably geared the whole year to be just that just didn't sit well with them because they, they obviously played better against Cork later in the championship but there's a bit of, bit of expectation there. I, I think Waterford do still need to start you know if they, if they really want to be an all they need to kind of send out a few messages maybe they did to a slight degree last year you know they beat Kilkenny up in Kilkenny and things but um, you know that wasn't Kilkenny at its peak you, know, you yeah. see the likes of Tip and Godby they've put up some hammerings over the years and they've they've really shown their class so mm-hmm. I, I think Waterford need to show a bit about themselves they could do a winning monster I if I was Waterford I'd absolutely target full tilt Derek McGrath and equally possibly will whatever the league try and win Munster get a big win over a tip or whatever and see where that takes you after that you know I mean you'll have your gap then you want us to play in the quarterfinal stages you know if you could take out Cork and tip in Munster there but the importance of winning silver cannot be underestimated like you know yeah, and for the guys like the Gleasons and the Binnets of these who are like um, to get silverware at, at, at senior into county level is massive whatever trophy it is you know yeah, they have their league medal but like league but sorry yeah once a championship, once a championship or another like, I'm looking at the top of my head I don't know how many months championship water won but is it 8 or 9 or whatever yeah. you know, they haven't won a huge amount in the modern year they have of course because they've been very good for on and off for the last 15-20 years but in general you know you yeah. don't you don't, and in Cork we only realised how oh, oh, worthwhile oh, months for championship yeah. when we stopped winning them so like yeah. you know I agree fully yeah okay. absolutely magic stuff Mikey Sheehan and Amy Murphy thank you very much for your time today and Paper Doc Extra Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 